0: And he's got all the saints up there like hey look hey look <laughs>
1: he's like oh these they're terrible they're terrible but <laughs> but they but made listen, me my, they listen. made
0: me their patron so things should look up from here <laughs> dude he better work for us here come yeah. on father ed oaks we need you to double you the help grace us out here. double the grace i can't wait to see him in heaven and he's just gonna be like oh connor you have to see this <laughs>
2: Very true. He'll be in some, like, ridiculously ugly Hawaiian (laughs) T-shirt.
0: They let that in here, man? What are you doing? I mean, it is luminescent, but (laughs) still ridiculous. It's absolutely beautiful, but it has no
2: place here, okay?
0: (laughs) All right, good cast. Good cast. Oh, man, it didn't record. JK lols. Three Dogs North is an attempt to objectify the subjective with little violence as possible. The following has been torn from its origins in space and time and put entirely at your disposal.
1: This probably shifts the conversation a little bit, but like when we like go out and evangelize, at least it was a, it was a call to conversion for me. Of realizing like both in myself and in the people that i meet um that like christ is already there like he's there if we if we have the eyes to see him and we're not preparing like ourselves or someone else to um in a sense clean up so that he can come in and um or anyway but i just the line the word of god does not now command us to prepare the way for his coming um He's already there.
2: Over So over um, the break that we just had, the uh, Ash Wednesday little break, we went up to Madison, Madison, Wisconsin. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the university up there, and just went around, uh, like, 16 of us in our callers and just talked to college students and tried to get in. They call it barehanding. You just go out with nothing and just try to get in open conversations. And that was, a, I mean, a blatant realization on multiple – Multiple occasions that you get into a conversation and realize like, oh, yeah, Christ was preparing the way. And even before we would go up there to get in these, you know, evangelical conversations, I just want to spread what I have because I love it. And I want to share with other people the gospel. We would pray for those people beforehand of like prepare it prepare the way because uh like this is your path kind of a deal and the more people that we would encounter and the more people we'd talk to it was very evident that what you're saying christ had already been there christ had already done the the work ahead of time and you know it was just our opportunity to come there and uh exercise the the gospel you know that's lived through us uh it was a cool experience man we had some super good conversations and um, any of them stick out to you <clears throat> We had one. It was very intense. It was the first conversation that we had, and I went out with Peter Infinger, who is an older seminarian that we have here. But he, he, he physically he's old, but the guy acts like an you know like a twenty five year old. Amazing, amazing guy, and uh, he had already been married, and um, his wife passed away maybe two years ago, and um, he's just an incredibly like strong, courageous guy, and loves Christ a ton so me and this 60 year old guy are cruising around madison talking to these 18 to 22 year olds and we ended up getting into a conversation our very first one with a lady who was a bit older and was doing like a nursing program kind of on an adjacent campus she wasn't even a a student there and uh she we kind of she really opened up and got into some really deep stuff and actually talked about That she had been uh, her parents both of them had been abused by priests so as she was growing up it was kind of a just a reality in their household yeah and she's telling us this is literally our first conversation out evangelizing and she was a hardcore Catholic because as she was growing up in her household um, her parents hated the church of course they both the parents had been you know molested when they were younger or whatever um but she was a rebel so she like always wanted to go to the catholic church and talk to these priests and things like that and she even told a story of like her mom told her never ever go to a priest and i guess back then um i mean this was like before i guess during the second vatican council around that time period when you would go and be entered into the church and receive catechesis, you would do one-on-one with the priest. right? And so she was doing that without her mom knowing. And she was kind of younger, like 13, 14. And so the mom came in and like gave the priest an earful. And the priest found out that she was Catholic and she had been baptized Catholic. And that her, the, the lady that we were talking to, for some reason was also baptized Catholic. So this priest, it sounded like he was just like a super holy guy. And he kind of gave her an earful in response of like, you know, I can't believe you would even think about that. And like, you need to be coming to church. And like Christ wants you back here and kind of like gave it to her. And, and the lady said that her mom was very impressed and was like, wow, okay. Yeah. You can come back and see this priest whenever you want. Kind of a deal. Like oh my gosh. she kind of passed her test. Um, so it was, it was a really good conversation and she like does daily adoration. It seemed like an incredible lady and Right as we were leaving, she said, you know, one thing, my mom, um, as she was dying, uh, she had like a very love-hate relationship with the church, very strong love-hate relationship. Um, And as she was dying, she asked for last rites by a Catholic priest. And um, the daughter didn't know if she had received last rites. And so she was kind of looking for some consolation in that. And, um, you know, Peter was just explaining, like, how merciful and loving God is. And I I tried to give somewhat of an explanation, you know, I don't know if it's doctrine, but kind of the whole understanding that our faith can be passed on, the desire for these things, regardless if we receive them or not. Certainly we need to, like, the sacraments are in place to receive them. Mm -hmm. Um, But the fact that she desired that, you know, if the priest wasn't really able to get there, the whole idea of be- behind like baptism by desire and things like that. On well,
0: the maxim that we are
2: bound by the sacraments, but God is not. God is not bound by the sacraments, exactly. And so what I said was before I left, I mean, we were getting up to leave and she mentioned this to us. So you could see it was like weighing on her heart. And as soon as she said that, I asked her, I was like, have you ever read the book Bride's Head Revisited? Have you ever read the book, Bride's Head or Visit? Like, lady, you need to read this book because yeah. it's literally the story of your mother. Yeah, <laughs> The story of your mother right here where you just live a life that's tormented, tormented by God. You know, of mm-hmm. like he, you love him at some times and then you hate him very passionately and you feel like you've been wronged by this institution. And so you try and run away and you try and flee but your family members are, like, kind of caught up in it. And somehow at the end of your life, yeah. God reaches his hand out and somehow calls you back home at, like, your last moments. A this twitch upon the thread. A twitch upon the thread. Yeah. Like, lady, run, don't walk. <laughs> <laughs> and get this book, Brideshead Revisit, Evelyn Waugh. And yeah. she was, I mean, a good Catholic, and she had heard of Evelyn Waugh and mm-hmm. said, oh, I've heard all about it. I'll have to read it for certain. Mm-hmm. So I don't know you know, if she, if she ended up reading it, but I was pretty adamant about it. I was pretty much like yelling at her to read this book. <laughs> um, so it was,
0: that's awesome. Man. It was
2: very providential and it was a huge blessing for me to, um, you know, I don't know. I I don't have all the answers and things like that, but this book that I read and that I love and has, you know, been very dear to my heart the past couple of years, well, I guess the past year, for some reason, this lady's story was exactly, it correlated with this book perfectly. Mm-hmm. And I had this opportunity to share something really beautiful, yeah. like a really beautiful story
0: with her that if she reads it will be deeply consoling. Well, it also sounds like anytime you go out and do these sort of things where you're going to try to feed people and, and teach them or convert them, you get something back, you know, of course, that, yeah. in a way, it's probably deeper than anything you gave away, you know just that encounter with that person and i mean what a harrowing story to have both parents having been abused by priests and that anybody had anything to do with the catholic church in that family is a miracle um but well, wow
2: yeah so <clears throat> all in all it was a really good trip i mean we got up there on tuesday evening and this was the two days where it was like -5 -6 <laughs> oh. and then -11 something like that so yeah, it was extreme and the night we got up there, the chaplain, he goes, oh, yeah, just to let you know, like our Ash Wednesday Masses are packed, so we're going to be doing all-night adoration for the students who are coming to Mass the next day, aka all of you seminarians are going to be staying up all night doing adoration <laughs> that we had no clue about, and so we, we signed up for it, and it was like a very extreme start to Lent, uh, <laughs> bro, which I was a fan of, so it was good. Yeah, and then just tons of good conferences. They had a really good Catholic center up there, but... Um, I mean, that's, this is an example right here of Christ prepares the way Mm. internally with me. He has already been here. He set the stage for that conversation and then for that lady and for Peter as well. I mean, it was, um, you just can't come up with that stuff or like your father biscuit story. (laughs) (laughs) You can't make that up, dude. No, you have, that has to be an experience. You, you can't create that kind of thing.
1: Dogs go to heaven, goats go to hell.
0: I told you this story where, uh, in, in Missoula, Montana, where I ran into those people. Have I ever told you this story? My like crazy, crazy providential encounter.
2: It's not ringing any bells. What What's the name of the town? Missoula. Missoula? No,
0: I haven't. Just briefly, uh, you guys know I fought forest fires for a couple of years. And uh, I worked for a small hand crew called Crew 7 on the... Klamath National Forest and the Goose Nest Ranger District, um, just tucked away in the corner of Northern California, right next to uh, Klamath Falls, Oregon. So pretty far north. Worked a couple of fire seasons, got pretty close to the guys, but uh, the sort of friends you don't really talk to much afterwards. And mm-hmm. one guy in particular I was friends with, who also happened to be from Illinois. And in fact, was my year at University of Illinois. Mm-hmm just met out there, which, I mean, Illinois is a huge school, but still, that's a crazy coincidence itself, Uh, Name's John, and he married a girl who worked on our crew as well, and was then living out in California, and long story short, hadn't seen these guys in years. I just had finished my 30-day silent retreat, so after Second Theology, so I hadn't been out in California for five years at least, and, um, well, maybe not that long, three or something like that, but I hadn't seen these people in forever. And 30 day retreat ends and I link up with Nick Blaha to go drive out to Idaho to go fly fishing. And that trip itself was kind of cobbled together and, you know, the chances of me not going on it were higher than going. Um, But it worked out. We met in Omaha, drove out to Idaho and we were in Missoula, Montana. we had driven through the night and it was like afternoon in Missoula at the Walmart and we're stocking up to go into the woods for like 10 days. So we're buying all this food and uh, stuff, and Nick, I had this shopping cart full of stuff that we needed for the woods, and Nick was like, oh, I'm going to go get some water, like one of those big canteen things like that holds you know, so many gallons of water. And it was taking him forever to go find it and then fill it up or whatever. So I'm waiting at the cash register just like at the front of the store in Missoula, Montana. I mean, the chances of me being there are one in a trillion. At Walmart. At Walmart, at the front door, one of two front doors, and in walks this fire crew. And they were wearing the same exact colors that we wore, which was green. These green fire retardant cargo pants, you know, smoke jumper boots, and a blue T-shirt with a patch on the f- left side. And as this girl walked up closer to me, I was like, "That is our patch." It looked like Mount Shasta, which is a mountain we were right near in Northern California with a, a lightning bolt striking like a tree, because that's how most forest fires start. My, my crew boss had drawn that logo on Microsoft Paint years and years ago. And it was this embroidered patch on our t-shirts. So I'm like, that's the Crew 7 logo. And I, I this girl passed me by, and I, I look like nothing. I'm like in a hooded sweatshirt and jeans. And, and I, I just asked her, are you on crew seven? And she just looks over at me like, yeah, because they're stationed in Northern California and I'm in Missoula, Montana. I'm a random Walmart shopper. And I asked her <laughs> if she's crew seven. So she probably just thought I read her shirt and just kept, keeps walking. So I don't know her. And then behind her walks like a bunch of dudes, two of which were on the crew when I had been on it years ago. And now I see them. But there's like no way they can see me because I, I'm, it's totally out of context. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you would never expect to see this person in this place because they were gearing up to go into the woods nearby Missoula where there was a forest fire. And so that's what you do. You, you pack up your truck because you stay out in the woods for weeks at a time fighting this fire. So you buy a bunch of food and stuff for your crew. That's what they were doing at the Missoula Walmart, just like me and Nick. How far away from like home base is this? For them?
2: Yeah.
0: Oh, I mean ten hours driving. Okay. Easy.
2: Wow. So very far away. Very far.
0: And okay. it's not you don't get called out on that many assignments. And when you do, I mean there's only one day that you're stocking up and it's the first day of the assignment. So they're walking in, I see my buddy John and uh Dave. And they're all bearded up, looking real mountain manny, like they're months into the fire season. <laughs> and I was just like Hey, John and Dave, what's up, man? (laughs) And they're just like, what are you doing here? And I was like, I just thought I'd say hi. (laughs) And we just talked for like maybe 15 minutes or whatever. Like they they had stuff to do, but this was such a crazy coincidence Mm -hmm. that we just had to like entertain this and and be like, just, you know, catch up a little bit. Yeah. Um, but it blew me away so much that I was in the fishing trip. I love fishing trips because you you spend time together at camp, but most of the day you're off by yourself fishing. Right. And I was just standing in the river fly fishing for like four days, the first four days, just like in awe of the chances of that happening. I mean, it's difficult to communicate to someone that's not like in my position in that But I assume it sounds pretty coincidental to you guys. But t- to my perspective, like to have that, and p- plus I was coming off this 30-day retreat where I kind of like dredged up my whole life history and seen how God had worked in all these stages of my life. And to have these people come in at this moment, into this Walmart, into that door, at this time and this day, it was insane. And I, and I was just like, why? Why did that happen? Because there is... I mean, you can say, probability says that that might happen. Mm-hmm. Sure, I agree that might happen, because it did. <laughs> but it should not have happened. Mm-hmm. By purely mathematical standards, that should not have happened. And I don't know, I didn't make much sense of it, but it was like a profound moment of God's providence. Just like, the other th- I, I had thought about writing a letter to John, because I had kind of lost contact with him. And over the retreat, I was like, Kind of thinking about people relationships that have been important to me that I had kind of let slip, and he was one of them. I was going to write him a letter when I got back. And it was like God just handed me. He's like, "No, it's okay. I'll just, I'll just bring John to you." <laughs>
2: yeah, that's. I. It seems like sometimes God has a way of like, very clearly indicating to us, um, like breaking through all normal modes of communication and just saying like, Hey, you're in the right place at the right time. Like you're, you're doing the right thing. Kind of a deal that very affirming. I had a moment like that when I was in college and had just decided to enter seminary and then, um, was like going into my senior year and kind of had like that, "Ah, ah," Oh, what have I done? (laughs) And I had this very impactful moment in a chapel and you know I just had that like very clear reality strike me of like man this should not happen like I can't believe that I'm here right now Um, but just very affirming that okay I'm in the right place at the right time like this moment in time God meant for this to happen. Mm -hmm. Father
1: Father Rafferty one day at IPF last summer preached it was just one of the daily masses but he preached and he said that he started the mass I don't I don't think this was even in his homily and I, I don't know if he had like it seemed like he kind of did it off the cuff to be completely honest um i don't know if he had prepped it or not but he like stopped and he just said he was like wherever you guys are at like because it was like midsummer, kind of like the ipf was awesome but it was just like the you know the lull yeah the grind of like anything that you do for however long and uh and he was like, wherever you're at, like whatever's going on in your heart, in your prayer, in your desires, it's like God wants you right here. And he was like, That's not a cliche to say. He was like, You can even look down like at that pew you're sitting in and like not only did God know like when the builders were like building that that you would sit in that right now like he knew when that tree like when the seed hit the ground that one day that tree was going to build a pew that you were going to be here right now and it's like whatever is going in on your life like a couple guys had some family stuff going on back home and there there was some guys that were under some stress and things like that he was like this is where god wants you like in this moment and honestly i've gone back to it a couple of times you just have like you know You have have crummy days or whatever. And it's like, honestly, that's the beauty of being a Catholic is you can literally, literally, um, you know, if you want to find God, you sit down and let yourself sink. Mm -hmm. And, And like, there's God. And so you can honestly, wherever you're at, like at this very moment, you can sit down and you know, like from the beginning of time, like God has you right where he wants you.
2: What a great, beautiful thing. I mean, you talk about, like, liberation. Yeah. Being able to just trust and, like, be able to breathe.
1: And it doesn't mean, like, he might not want you to make a change or, like, take you down a new path or, Mm -hmm. like, whatever. It doesn't mean that you have to, like, keep going if you are kind of having a struggle in life or whatever. But, like, right now, this is where God wants you.
2: Trusting that you are in his guiding hands. Yeah. And he's gazing on you with eagle eagle eyes just looking at you and just being very comfortable in that to sit down and sink i i love that very peaceful um well hey one other story from over our break and i'm only going to tell this because of previous podcasts but at the josephinum tournament have you heard about the josephinum tournament i heard you
0: guys won congratulations
2: yeah so we yeah over break we went to the seminary in Columbus mm-hmm. and played a basketball tournament against like nine other seminaries and <clears throat> Mundelein ended up taking home the championship. Um, and we, there were some tough games, but all in all, I mean, we, we played pretty well. Uh, but the game, our final four game that we had to win in order to get to the championship was a Saturday night game. And we were playing against St. Red and, uh, St. Minerad went up with, like, 3.9 seconds left to go. And so we called a timeout and had the ball underneath their basket. So we had to go the full length of the court. And we drew up this little play, did a little uh, – I passed the ball in. I think I see where this is going. Yeah, yeah dude. Hit a buzzer beater. Hit a buzzer beater, like, oh my in between half court and the three-point line. Pulled up.
1: Old miracle shot nets. Uh, coming through again. You're going to be yeah. able to get your head through the door.
2: But, but what happened after the game – so, like – I mean, I hit the shot, and it was, like, super fun. You know, there's, like, a 100 people or so in the gym. You know, it's not, like, a massive crowd. Basically, only the Munde- line guys, we were, like, all jumping, like, seven of us together because we're in another person's gym. <laughs> right. Like, we don't have any fans there, yeah. so we were all just really relishing in it. And, like, the crowd was very excited. It's an exciting moment kind of mm-hmm. deal. Um, but I – and it wasn't because, like, oh, we I hit a shot and, like, we're going to the championship game now. But that moment of, like, what we're talking about, of having a realization that, you know, God is really here with you and you're okay where you are kind of deal, very trusting and comforting. Um, I had one of those moments of, like, why in the heck did I hit this shot? Like, why is God – why did he have me do this? You know, like he's a Mundaline fan. Why it's insanity. Dude. Why
1: did you make me so good at basketball, Lord? <laughs> no, no,
2: no. That's what I say.
0: That's what I'm saying. Is like Why am yeah, I so yeah. skilled?
2: <laughs>
0: How did Why I, does this keep <laughs> happening to me? What
1: a burden.
2: No,
0: no, it wasn't
2: a burden. It was like I know what just you mean. relishing in yeah, this yeah. very, very good moment that I had already had this opportunity to relish in once before in my life of like but for some reason God wants to give me another one of these and like did Began ask you to give any talks to the seminarians about it not yet but I'm expecting it. I've already drawn up a couple <laughs> oh, of oh he, will. A he couple will Powerpoints. I've been rehearsing it for a couple of days now no
1: that's all that's an. That's that is sweet. I'm super glad we won but
2: that's awesome it was it was just very insane and it was you should make remote, a little slideshow
0: like, of you growing up in your basketball uniforms and stuff like mm. the various leagues you were in with Sarah McLaughlin going in the background. I will remember you. And then at, do, do, da,
2: at the end, da, we can have that clip from Napoleon Dynamite where the guy tries to go back in the time machine. Like, oh, man. Back in the day, could have thrown a pigskin a quarter mile <laughs> right over their mountains.
0: Oh, that's awesome. How much you want to bet I can throw football in their mountains? <laughs>
2: <laughs> Just record me, like, shooting half-court shots to How'd myself? you guys like my video?
0: How'd you like my video? Pretty good, I guess. Pretty good. It's like the worst video ever made! Yeah. <laughs> Just yeah, playing yeah. like anyone could ever know that.
1: Are you Three dogs north are Juice, Seabisc, and Michael Metz. Conversations have been edited to sound smarter. Audio and transcripts of this episode. Are exclusive property of Mundelein Seminary, and may not be rebroadcast without the express written consent of Major League Baseball.